Good morning. And look at all the red. I mean, everybody remembered. I'm wearing my fancy dress and my, my red leash. Um, I, I, often, I have a sermon I haven't delivered yet. It's been, being, it's been growing for many years about we need more red Sundays because the red is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that calls enlightens and sanctifies us to go out into the world and bring in the kingdom. We need more red Sundays. But it's wonderful to see everybody in red today. Do we have any first-time visitors today? We're bold enough to raise our hand. We have a pamphlet for you. That, oh, we got some right here, Larry, all the way up front. Um, it just says who we are and what we do here at King and King. So welcome. It's nice to have you here with us today. It's your... Well, welcome. It's nice to have you here. Bob is a treasured part of this community. Um, next Friday dance is on the 4th, which is next Friday. Uh, food at 5 and music at 6. We have an online QR code available for online giving, and it's also in the insert. Music jams are on Saturday at 1 p.m. Uh, continue prayers for Betty Newman. Um, as well as Sue. Sue went away, uh, left on Friday to go to a planned trip to be with her children and grandchildren up in Illinois. And Betty is in a facility right now. Uh, I went over and visited Betty last Sunday and we did the commendation for the time of dying with her. So we don't know how long, but it is imminent. We also want to lift up the, the family of Bob Hummel. Bob went on to the Church Eternal this week. Um, Bob had been on home hospice for well over a year, a year and, oh, months. It might have been a year and a half. And uh, he passed early this week. He was in a lot of discomfort near the end. And Violet, I talked to Violet, and she is grieving, but she's also thankful that Bob is now resting comfortably in the Lord's arm. So keep prayers for her. There hadn't been any arrangements set yet. I don't believe there's going to be a service. There might be a short service up at um, Bushmill, the, uh, Bushnell, the uh, National Cemetery, for those who are in the service. Um, but I will be going over and taking communion to her right after service today and visiting and finding out what's going on. Our next mobile pantry is on November 10th at 3 p.m. Mark your calendars, set your clocks back one hour next Saturday night. Okay, one week from now, it's gonna be an hour earlier. So we, if you came now, you would be late. <laughs> you might make communion, depending how long my sermon is. So set your clock back, that's next Saturday. Um, Karaoke will be in Kyle Hall on the 28th. That was Friday. Okay. And I, did you have a, I saw pictures. It was in costume. You must look like you were having a good time. That was wonderful. And that will be the last, also the fourth Friday in November, we'll be doing karaoke. Our next community yard sale is November 11th at uh, 7.30. Peggy Peterson is resting comfortably at home. 
she had back surgery on Wednesday, and as far as I know, it went well. Are there any other announcements for the good of the family? Yes, Chris. Did you need traveling music for that? I could arrange some. Scooter. Good morning. One announcement that I did forget to make last week. Carol Knudsen, who was our ministry person to make many, many quilts for many years, and she has not, uh, she's given that up and she left all of her things here, and we need ladies to come on Monday and put them together. She left all the instructions and the materials. So if there's ladies that want to come on Monday morning, 10 o'clock meet, that know how to do this, or someone that can even lead that, that's done it before. If not, then we will have to end that and then the one blankets that we have made, we send down to Tampa and they send them to other countries that need them. So if you are interested, see me after mass and I'll let her know. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Vinny. Hold on. That's what we got this for. And on November 11th, we're going to have a dinner dance on a, that's a Friday. And uh, there'll be food, like I said, and, and uh, Sonny and his wife will be singing. And that's going to be continue the second Thursday of the month. Is that what the intention is? Or just going to yeah, be in the... Yeah, if it works okay. out, we're going to be doing it. Okay. So we'll be doing something just about every Friday night here. That's a wonderful thing. Any other announcements? All right. By the way, why is everybody wearing red? Reformation Sunday. Now, this isn't unique to Lutherans. There are other denominations, particularly those who had roots in the German Reformed Church, that will also be wearing red. But it is a big deal for Lutherans, and we celebrate Martin Luther quite a bit. So, with that, I invite you to stand, and let's actually begin our worship. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, who is eager to forgive and who loves us beyond our days. Amen. Dear friends, together let us acknowledge our failure to love this world as Jesus does. God of mercy and forgiveness. We confess that sin still has a hold on us. We have harmed your good creation. We have failed to do justice, follow kindness, and walk humbly with you. Turn us in a new direction. Show us the path that leads to life. Be our refuge and our strength. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and friend. Amen. Beloved of God, your sins 
are forgiven and you are made whole. God points the way to new life in Christ who meets us on the road. Journey now in God's abiding love through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
The grace of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Please join me in praying the prayer of the day. Almighty God, gracious Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit renews the church in every age. Pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep your steadfastness in your word. Protect and comfort them in times of trial. Defend them against all enemies of the gospel. And in the church, your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Jeremiah. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another, or say to one another, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and remember their sin no more. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us read responsibly. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be moved. And though the mountains shake in the depths of the sea. Though its waters rage and foam. And though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be shaken. God shall help it at the break of day. The nations rage and the kingdoms shake. God speaks and the earth melts away. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come now, regard the works of the Lord. What desolation God has brought upon the earth. Behold, the one who makes war to cease in all the world. Be still then, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. A reading from Romans. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now, apart from law, 
the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what law? By that of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to John, the eighth chapter. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are descendants of Abraham and we have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. We no, have no actual kids. Now, that's the problem. When I plan a children's sermon, I need kids. So, I need some volunteer kids. Jeff, you're a volunteer kid. Get up here. <laughs> Linda, I always can depend on you. You're going to be a volunteer kid. Come on. <laughs> Carl, don't sit down. Come on. You're a volunteer kid. <laughs> you're volunteering. You're a kid. Okay. And after we're done, you're all going to sit there because you're going to help me with the sermon because you're going to teach the congregation. Okay. Yeah. You get a, if you want one, yeah, you can have a gift. Okay. Now. I learned a song a lot of years ago, 
and I want to teach it to you now. But you got to learn the hand signals too. So, ready? I am the church. Come on. I am the church. Okay. You are the church. Come on. You are the church. We are the church together. Okay. All of God's children all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. Okay, come on. You're going to do that with me now. Ready? I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All of God's children all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. Okay, you have a seat there. You're going to have to repeat that several times now. When I was a kid, I'm a baby boomer, as many of you are. I was born in 1955, which is the very peak of that baby boom. Okay, you too. I went to church. Our church wasn't much bigger than this. In fact, it might have been about the same size. We had three services every Sunday. And all three services were packed full. That, our narthex was actually more officially our overflow room. And there was half as many chairs set up in there. And quite often, they were full too. Okay? We had two Sunday schools for every grade. One early and one later. Or one took place during the early service. And one took place during the German service, because we had a German service between our two English services, and the German service was full as well, okay? We had Sunday potluck dinners, pork and sauerkraut suppers. That's how this church, which moved out of the inner part of Norristown in the 50s, had paid for their new church in the suburbs, and they had paid for their mortgage by the early 60s by pork and sauerkraut suppers. And we were able to buy land adjacent to our church to add in another parking lot so people didn't have to cross the street from where the parking lot was. And it was full every Sunday. I had, I think, 16 or 17 other students in my confirmation class. And we went to confirmation one night a week during the school year for three years before we were confirmed. And if you got to serve as an acolyte, which meant you were able to hold fire, which I wasn't allowed to do, there was an order, a rule, about how you lit the candles, whether those in the candelabra or those up on the altar and the Christ candle. It was a specific order how you did it and how you put it out. If you were asked to serve as an usher, which I was allowed to do. It wasn't playing with fire. You had a particular order in which you ushed, okay? And you had a particular job that you had to do. You counted the people on each side and how you brought the plates up and in what order you put them into the big plate. And you didn't do what my friend, the genius millionaire, did the first time and tried to pour his plate into the big plate. And pastor did this. There were rules about all that. The church was full, and we had plenty of money, and we had lots of people, and we had lots of kids, 
And I learned that song in vacation Bible school because we had vacation Bible school every summer during the day when it was supposed to be because all the moms, most of them didn't work, so they were able to do vacation Bible school. I heard recently that church closed, that the, it just struggled along. The, co- the pandemic was kind of like the last straw and it has closed down. And we see that in many different places. There's a Presbyterian church on Route 52 that has recently closed down and now sitting empty with a for sale sign up in front of it. It wasn't that long ago that the Baptist church that's one street north of us here also closed down and sold off. But And people lament these passings. And I don't know how many of you can share a very similar story about a church where you grew up that seemed so vital and healthy while you were growing up there is now an empty lot or a new development. And people say, the church is dying. But come on, kids. Now, well, first of all, I got to sing the chorus, or the, 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 the verse. And then you're going to stand up right as I finish, and you're going to sing the chorus, okay? You ready? The church is not a building where people go to pray. It's not made out of sticks and stones. It's not made out of clay. Okay, come on. Ready? <laughs> I am the church. You are the church. We are the church. Together, all of God's people all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. Okay, sit down. We got another. (laughs) About a week and a half ago, I was at the conference on ministry. It was the first time that they were able to have it in three years because of the pandemic. And one of the lamentations that was shared was how many churches are struggling even more so. It seemed like that decline in church attendance was accelerated and exacerbated by that time of being apart, being safe and locked down. And even churches like ours who started doing broadcast ministry, hello out there, this is for you too, who started doing broadcast ministry right from the start said, our numbers really haven't recovered. In fact, the congregation I belong to, I just spoke with someone there, um, said that they're looking at roughly half the people that they had three years ago before this started in worship this time of year. But they said, we have good numbers on our virtual worship. And I've talked to many pastors who said, yeah, we're getting more people virtually than we have in worship. In fact, we're getting more people virtually than we did before. And I even read a devotion this week where the idea was the the person who was writing the devotion was saying a lot of people were coming to her saying, we need to shut down the virtual worship then the people will come back to church. And it was like, no, that's not a good idea, folks. See, this had been happening, and there's many reasons 
why it was happening, but the one that was brought to my attention, and it was also a very similar reason to why the Reformation was able to take place was, there have been four great leaps of information technology in the history of civilization. The first one was about 3,500 years ago. And it was both at the same time, both the Chinese and the Sumerians invented writing. They were able to take ideas and they made characters. And they were able to, the early ones were put into tablets of clay. And they could put down information and store it and pass it on. And the, the clay tablets gave over to scrolls where they could put information down on scrolls. So imagine your Bible in a scroll. And they'd say, okay, folks, I want you to turn to Isaiah 51. And everybody rolls and rolls and rolls. That's all right, folks, and rolls. Because that led to the next great innovation. Ironically, at the same time, the church as we know it began to get started. And they went from the scroll to the codex. Now, rather than having a continuous sheet of information, they had leaves in a book. And you could mark those leaves and put bookmarks in and color the edges of the pages differently so you could go to different things. And people had books now. And that made a great leap ahead, which many scholars feel was really what helped the Christian church get its foot in the door. Now we want to fast forward to that time in 1517 and Martin Luther, who, by the way, was not looking to have a church named after him. Martin Luther's intention was to reform the church, reform the Roman Catholic Church, which had become the dominant Christian body as opposed to the Western or the the Western Church or the Greek Orthodox or the Orthodox Church. The Roman Catholic Church had become a major denominational influence on all of government. Okay? And Martin Luther saw the corruption, saw the misuse, saw the use of fear as opposed to the proclamation of God's love and wanted to reform the church and started a movement. And we all know that story. He nailed those 95 talking points on the door of Wittenberg Cathedral, hence the start of the Protestant Reformation. But what else happened at that same time that made it possible? Come on, come on. Gutenberg's printing press and movable type. See, before then, it would take scribes hours to do a single page, and days and weeks to copy just one of the shorter books of the Bible, let alone any other sort of information because everything was written down by ink and pens with nibs that you dipped at an inkwell and then slowly wrote. And if you were left-handed, you'd be no good because you just smear the ink across the page. Left-handed people are the sign of the devil. Yes, I know. But at any rate, Without the movable type printing press, 
Luther could never have really gotten his reformation off the ground because suddenly his ideas, his challenges to that orthodox faith of the Roman Catholic Church, what people accepted, would not have been able to be disseminated the way they were. But instead, they could print these things out by the hundreds and the thousands. And they would go into the town squares and into the bars and the taverns. Well, Luther says this, and they could read these ideas, and people said, that sounds about right to me. So without that technological jump, we would not have had a reformation, which we are celebrating today. But I think we need to be aware of the fourth one that we are leaving in the midst of right now. And that is the digital age. The digital age started around the Second World War and the first computer was developed at University of Pennsylvania and it took up an entire large room and it could basically was a souped up adding machine. It was actually the descendant of the Enigma machine that was developed by a British code breaker. Okay, but they took his ideas, his technology, and they expanded on it, and the computer age begun. Now, it began very slowly. Okay, when I was in high school, and I graduated in 1973, I remember my guidance counselor grabbing me in the hallway and saying, Jim, he hands me information for Maxwell Institute, was about computer programming. He says, you got the head for this. This is the future here. I said, computers, really? Big souped up adding machines? I'm going to be a construction worker. Yeah. <laughs> the computer information technology has taken over, taken over, taken over. How many of you carry little computers around in your phones? And you can get all the information in the world on your fingertips. Someone says something, you don't like it, you can look it up and say, you're wrong. This has affected our society in ways great and in ways frightening. So the fact that we had this pandemic and we're able to digitally broadcast our service and some people like coming to worship now in their pajamas, sipping their coffee on their schedule... Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I don't know. But it challenges us to re-examine who we are as church. We are as church. The other point that was made during this ministry uh, uh, conference on ministry was Jesus didn't come and talk about building a church. That was not in his lexicon at all. Jesus' main message was what? The kingdom of God. Thank you. The kingdom of God. Jesus spoke about the inbreaking or the imminent kingdom of God more than anything else. And the kingdom of God is still inbreaking and eminent. That is what we are to be working for as people. Jesus talked about letting people know that there is nothing that they have done in their life and there's nothing that you can do that can separate you from God's love. That 
God wants nothing more than to grow in relationship with you and you grow into relationship with God. That's what Christ was all about. God becoming flesh among us and showing us how do we live and how do we live? What was the message with the sheep and the goats? You take it, you gotta look after the poor and the hungry and those who are sick and in prison. That's the message, working, caring for one another, teaching them that this world doesn't need to get you down, that God is here to always lift you up and to being an agent of that change. So while we have church buildings that are closing and are changing, you cannot go to worship you can go to worship, but you cannot go to church. You can't buy a building that's alive no matter how you search. Okay, ready? You know why? Because I am the church. You are the church. We are the church. Together, all of God's people all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. Okay, thank you. No, you're not done yet. Oh, no, you're not done. You're not done. You're not done. We're, we're about halfway. See, we have confused the institution with the church. We have confused the institution and the support and the maintenance of the institution with the call of Christ on our lives. We have confused the institution with the ministry. And we lament about young people not coming to church, but yet what they're saying is, we live in a time we reject institution. We reject, we reject government. Come on, that last election was rigged. Yes, we reject government. You know, what was that saying? Don't look to government for the solution when government's the problem. That's been going on for 40 years. Now government's the problem. I still think government can provoke solutions, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm an idealist. Uh, go to the doctor today. Be a doctor. How many people come to a doctor telling the doctor what's wrong with them and what they need, and I just need you to write a prescription? Be a pastor today. And suddenly I want to tell you what the Bible says. Have you read it recently? Because I can point out points, places that you're totally wrong. Misinformation runs them up. People think they know and they don't. And the church as an institution suffers because of it. But maybe the institution should suffer. Because Jesus didn't come and say, I want to build an institution no, I want to build a group of people who are interested in doing ministry. The church is not a business, a committee, or a board. It's not a corporation for the business of the Lord. Because <laughs> I am the church, you are the church. We are the church together, all of God's children, all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. 
Okay, sit down again. We got, we got just a little bit more. We're on the home stretch now, okay? That slide now, Larry. If you can't read it, I'll read it for you. I had this posted on Facebook this week to kind of prep you for this. Uh, Richard Rohr is a Roman Catholic priest who does some wonderful writing. The one book I read of his was Spirituality for the Second Half of Life. As we retire, we find that there's more things that we can do, and why don't we engage and grow in our faith? Because many of us have stopped growing in our faith the time we got confirmed. Our essence, you have a 14-year-old's faith in a 70-year-old body. But the, the, the quote says, we, clergy, and this is a little tongue-in-cheek, agree not to tell you anything that would make you uncomfortable, that, and you will keep coming to our services. And that existed in the church for many years. Clergy did not say anything controversial, did not say anything that would maybe make somebody upset, because gosh forbid, we got to keep these people here, because they pay my pay. It is a nice deal, because once the gospel is preached, I doubt if the churches would be filled. Rather, we might be out in the streets living the message. Worship of Jesus is rather harmless and risk-free. Following Jesus changes everything. So we come and we worship, and that's a good thing. But I often see worship as just a recharge of battery. And you recharge the battery so you can go out into the world and bring in the kingdom of God. Do the ministry, those unique ministry that God maybe called you to do. But I've also had an observation about those recharged batteries. Who's owned a cordless tool or two? Okay, what happens with a cordless tool after a while? The battery doesn't recharge, right? I've owned many. The first one I owned, the battery was built in. Looked perfectly good, sitting in the standing, was worthless, threw it away. Second one I bought, I had replaceable batteries, and I bought a spare battery, so one was always charged. And I took care of it. I'm a carpenter. I take care of my tools. I need them. They were part of my business. Well, that batteries went too, and I threw away a perfectly good-looking tool because I couldn't buy the batteries anymore. Batteries lose their ability to hold a charge. But you know what we discovered? that especially with the prevalence of batteries, and it doesn't matter whether it's a lead-acid battery or it's a nickel-cadmium battery or any of the new um, batteries that are coming out. The battery is a chemical reaction, and in the lead-acid battery, there's a, lead, a, a tin compound. Tin is a semi-precious metal. There is a tin compound that the lead can react with via the acid, which is where how the power is held and distributed. However, that tin compound breaks charge, but breaks down over time. It, it loses its ability to do that. But they can replace, and I, don't, I forget what the name is. I looked it up, but it's a big word, and I forgot it. Um, they replace, they can take the battery, clean the lead plates, replace the acid, and replace that tin compound, and that battery is virtually as good as new. I think what's happened in a lot of our churches with a lot of our people, and I can fall victim to this myself, is our batteries lost that ability to hold a charge. But there is a prescription for that 
There's a way of refurbishing your spiritual battery. And you're going to hear this over and over again for me, but prayer, reading your Bible, engaging in a Bible study, getting a book study where we're talking. That's why the council reads books. For those of you on council, this is why you're reading a book. I'm trying to refurbish your spiritual batteries because we all have a tendency to let them lag, and then they get recharged here, and by the time out the door, they're, they're dead. When you have these recharged spiritual batteries, you can start praying, God, what is the ministry that you would call me to do? How would you like me to bring in the kingdom? Well, we do it here a little bit. We still have a food pantry once a month. Do you know about half the people that come and help with the food pantry don't come to church? Some of them don't go to church at all, but this is their ministry. This is church for them, okay? This is what young people are starting to say. I want to be something relevant. I want to do something. I want to be empowered to go out into the world and feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit those sick in prison. And we, the church, have become so focused on maintaining, keeping our buildings open, keeping our roofs from leaking, that that has taken so much of that energy that we have. But I want to make some suggestions, and these are, some of them are easy. Um, Angel, raise your hand, Angel. She invited me up to, is it called Lighthouse Ministries? Lighthouse Ministries. As an ordained minister, there's things that I can bring to the table. And I said, what can you use? And what is done? And they said, well, we'd like to, if you could have Pat be available for pastoral conversation. Um, could you just sit and eat with the people? I'll be up Friday this week, okay? And we might want to do a little bit of a worship. I said, well, I'm busy on Sunday morning, but it doesn't have to be on Sunday. That's one idea. That's one thing I can do. I heard another idea where if someone knows the chief of police or a a sheriff of a a local area where the churches say, listen, can you give me just the first names and say the ranks? So like Detective Dan or Patrolman Sue. Just give me a list of those names because we're going to give them around in our church groups of names and people can pray that these first responders are safe during the week. Prayer does wonderful. not just for the one who's doing who's being prayed for, but it also does wonders for the one who's doing the praying. And here's one, and I really like this one. How many people are decent readers? Come on, come on, you all read. This is, this is the 21st century, most of us can read. Here's a ministry that could be so valuable. Adopt an elementary school and volunteer to read with the first, second, and third graders. Read with the first, second, and third graders. See, it's during first, second, and early third grade that you're being taught to read, okay? And if a child is struggling, especially if it's a larger class and both parents work two jobs, if they're struggling, they're not getting that extra help to read, to learn to read. First, second, third grade, learning to read. Third grade on, reading to learn. If you haven't learned to read semi-competently by third grade, haven't learned how reading works and are able to read at that third grade level, then the rest of your education becomes a struggle 
reading to young, and just sit and read with them. I read with my children. I had that time. I was read to by my mother and my older sister. The, the, word to, the, the book, To Kill a Mockingbird, Scout learned to read by the time she was five years old because she sat in her father's lap and he read the newspaper out loud to her and she would, he would get her following along with the words. Kids learn to read by you reading to them. So you don't have to teach them to read, you just have to read them and read them their stories. They're pretty simple. Now here was the frightening statistic, the one that, the reason I bring this up. Companies and institutions that are planning for the development and the need for prisons. Examine the reading comprehension and abilities of third graders to plan for how many prisons they're going to need to bay, how many beds they're going to need in prison. Because statistically, a certain gross percentage of those children who are struggling to read when they're in third grade are going to end up on the wrong side of the law. Now, if you want to talk away about a way that you can, with just a couple hours a week, bring in the kingdom of God, those of us who are retired in the second half of our lives and looking for something meaningful, go meet up with the principal and say, do you have some students I can read to on a certain day or days? And like prayer, you will gain so much more than they do. The church, it is the people living out their lives called enlightened, sanctified by the work of Jesus Christ. Okay, ready? I am the church. You are the church. We are the church. Together, all of God's people all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. I think there's only one thing left to say. Thank you.
In Christ, you have heard the word of faith, the gospel of salvation. We believe in him and are marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. Living together in trust and hope, let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come and judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. For those who are visiting, you see all those prayers we have in that uh, bulletin. I invite you to take this home. I have many people say to me, I don't know what to pray. Well, those are good prayers. They're topical. They're timely. However, I'm of the feeling that our prayers need to come from us. Prayers of the people, prayers of the church need to come from the assembly. So we first start with joys. Are there any joys this week that people are going to be so bold as to share? Raise your hand. Yes. My joy this week is my daughter and my son-in-law here to visit with me. And great to the Lord they're here for me. That's wonderful. It's always good when we get family visiting. Thank you. I can share that Marjorie got her sling off this week. She doesn't have to wear it, although they want her to wear it when she goes to the airport. She's not allowed to lift her arm up, and she can't grab anything more than two pounds with her left arm. But she's, I came home, and she was doing laundry, and she says, I can do everything but the sheets. So I'm thankful for that. You had your hand up. And my joy, our joy, rather, is our beautiful daughter's here to visit us. 
Diane. Diane, welcome. Other joys. Well, I have a joy. This is my sister-in-law, Wanda, and she and her sister are here visiting this week from Pennsylvania, and I'm having a blessed time. That's wonderful. And thank you for being such a big help. Yes, Angel. My joy is that three of our homeless people got jobs this week, and oh. one went into rehab. Very good. Wonderful news. Thank you for sharing. Other, yes. Last week I told you guys about us trying to put a floating dock in for the gentleman that's uh, got terminal cancer. We were able to do that, and they both were able to enjoy, and the grandkids and all them, so they created memories. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Fort Myers people are getting the help that they need to survive. Yes, thank you, amen. Okay, how about concerns? What are some of the things that we are praying for and we wanna make it out loud? Yes. My uh, daughter-in-law uh, needs lots of, Erica, needs lots of prayers. She's going through a lot of stuff especially losing her, her mother, and uh, she's having problems health-wise, and uh, just pray for her. Thank and what's her name? Erica. Erica, okay. Keep prayers for Erica this week. Other concerns? I want to lift up my concern that we, as mature Christians, can pray for the Spirit to speak to us, that we can find that ministry that we can do out there in the world where it's frightening to bring the Spirit of the, the kingdom of God to fruition. Seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else falls into place after that. Other concerns? Pastor, uh, I have one concern that we all know, and that is, again, Betty Newman and Sue, just to keep them in our prayers. Uh, Betty, just to keep peace and, and, and uh, quietness in her life. And Sue, if you're listening to us or watching us, know that we're all thinking about you. And we pray that you can have the strength to get through this. Thank you, Larry. Let's also lift up Violet Hummel in her grieving. She's still, she is actually still dealing with cancer herself. So I'll be wearing a mask today when I go over to see her. Yes, you have one. I just think we should pray for broken families. There's a lot of families that have estrangements. There's a lot of families that people aren't talking to each other. Um, I, I am a retired teacher and I sub, and there's just so many hurting families in the world. Yeah, thank you. Any others? I see arrows. Who's getting that mic? You can do that one. My sister Evelina has fallen again and injured her ribs and her hand and waits for uh, the results of x-rays yesterday. So please pray for her. Oh, please, yes. I'd 
like to pray for Paul Pelosi, who was attacked the other night, that he makes a speedy recovery. Amen. Yeah. I want to add our country in the, the, the anger and the misinformation and the hatred that led up to that attack. Let us pray. Lord, on this day of reformation, re-reform us. Help put that stamp of love on our hearts, that spirit in ourselves that we can go out and be the church that brings the kingdom into the world. Lord, we lift up all these joys that we've shared. We thank you for the blessings that you have bestowed upon all these people. We lift up thankfulness for this time of harvest, for the bounty that our land provides. Lord, we lift up all these concerns too. We lift up our country where it seems to be tense and, and, and divided in so many ways that we can sit down and recognize each other's side. Lord, we lift up all those concerns of people we are praying for, all those individual pains and hurts, as well as those individual triumphs, Lord. We thank you for those, and we lift the others to you. Help us to be that agent of change, too. Lord, we lift up all who are still struggling, whether they are in Ukraine or whether they are down in southwest Florida. But we thank you for the aid that comes to those in need. We pray this in all things. We pray those things that are still silently in our heart. We pray all these things to you, trusting and hoping in your goodness and mercy. We pray all this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And let the people say, Amen. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. And also with you. Let us share that peace with one another and head over to those sanitation stations. So that's all we're sharing.
as we've been doing for the last couple months, people have been sharing the stories of why they give. Jeff volunteered Anna, and Anna said she would do it. And I think it's very good on this Reformation Sunday that Anna says why she gives. Because Anna is Roman Catholic, a very devout Roman Catholic. In fact, when Jeff and Anna joined, Jeff said, well, listen, every other week we've got to go to church over at the Roman Catholic Church because Anna's Roman Catholic. I said, that's all right. Roman Catholics make great Lutherans. Um, <laughs> they behave better, usually. But, so, thank you, Anna. So, why I give? Good morning, everyone. Once again, I give because I've been blessed in so many ways. My life has been nothing but extraordinary. Since birth, due to the following reasons. I was born in Syracuse, New York, because my father, who had contested for president, was sent to exile by the current president that rigged elections. He ended up meeting my mother, who was studying for her doctorate in economics at Duke University at the time, and they were married. My mother gave birth to my elder brother and I before heading back to Uganda when I was just three months old. Having been raised in a strong Catholic family, as Pastor said, I was blessed to return to New York to attend college. I successfully completed my MBA in healthcare administration. It was a challenge and blessing to immigrate here and complete college in record time while holding down a full-time finance job. On a sadder note, I know we all remember where we were on that fateful day of September 11th, 2001. God blessed me by allowing me to exit the World Trade Center just as the first plane struck the Twin Towers. Though not everyone considered it a blessing, I believe meeting Jeff at the U.S. Embassy in Uganda with all the differences we have, ranging from religion, you can imagine, to political affiliation and culture, while driving my poor parents insane was a blessing. It was also a great blessing that I was welcome to this church by everyone. This not only made me realize how Catholics and Lutherans pray to God the same way, but it erased all the prejudice I had, and I feel more at home with members here than with the Catholic Church. I enjoy serving, joking with everyone, and I love working at the pantry when I have some spare time. I'm thankful to God that my father at 90 years old and mother at 80 years old are still strong, socially active, and survived COVID, in addition to being able to spend time and communicate with my family members spread out throughout US, Europe, South Sudan, and Uganda. Finally, I'm blessed to be able to grow my consulting business focusing on insurance, government contracting, 
and international development, something I never thought was possible for me in US, but with Jeff, his daughter, and network support is possible. I give because I'm grateful to God. God has made me realize that even though I come from a strong Catholic family of nuns, priests, even the Archbishop of Uganda, by the way, who's my cousin, with all of us having attended Catholic schools from birth and still practicing Catholics, he made me realize that Lutherans are just as great. Thank you. Pray the offering prayer as one voice. Gracious God, in your great love you have richly provided for our needs. Make of these gifts a banquet of blessing. Make us ready to share with all in need through Jesus Christ, who sets the table for all. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth, and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join in the unending hymn.
I also thought that it would be very appropriate for Anna to serve with me today. Reformation. Martin Luther wanted to reform the church, not start a new one. Come on up. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. In that same manner, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for remembrance of me. Amen. Okay. Now, let us be so bold as to pray those words as we've been taught by our Savior. Our Father, ah. Please be seated. Everyone is welcome at our communion table. You will be given a piece of bread, which you are then invited to dip or intinct into either cup. The cup, one cup contains wine, it's dark red, the other one looks clearer, that's grape juice. Either or. Come on. body of Christ given for you.
God of the abundant table, you have refreshed our hearts in this meal with bread for the journey. Give us your grace on the road that we might serve our neighbors with joy. For the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Carl, did anybody come for prayers? Did they know why you were standing there? Okay, okay. We might have gotten out of the habit, but Carl was stationed on the side here after communion if you wanted prayers for healing. And he's going to hang around right afterwards, right after we do our worship and close out and you get dismissed. And he's going to hang around and do any prayers that anybody didn't think of. So if someone would like prayers and laying on of hands, just hang around after service a few minutes and Carl will take care of it. Thank you, Carl. You volunteer for so many things around here. It's all for the Lord. And now, God, who calls each one of us to seek the kingdom and work towards bringing it in, this God who gives life to all things, come to each of us and inspire us in ways great and small that we can seek that kingdom. And this God will free us from despair and bless us with truth and peace. And may the Holy Trinity, one God, guide you always in faith and hope and love. Amen. Amen.
Go in peace with Christ beside you.